Threshold. I am your host, Matt Healy from KittySeasons.com, and with me here are the panel. We've got Nick Dector. Say hi, Nick. Hi. And uh, say who you are. I play poker for a living, and I do stand-up comedy for fun. And we've got Troy Nelson. Uh, what's up? Who are you, Troy Nelson? What am I? I wish I played poker for a living. I uh, am a DJ at 90.3 KEXP in Seattle and uh, also part of the comedy duo Black Daisy and also part of the musical group The Young Evils. And we'll be uh, hearing a a cut from The Young Evils later in the show, too, so stay tuned for that one. And also we have Jenny Byfield. Hi. Who are you, Jenny? Oh, that's such an existential question. I'm, I'm a nurse. I do other things also since this is the first episode of the painful threshold i'll give kind of a little bit of a rundown the painful threshold is a panel show uh sort of like the ones that they have in the uk which is why jenny's here as a real live british person to keep us honest and the the hook of the panel show because all panel shows have to have a hook is that the questions are submitted by people who go to the official painful threshold tumblr site which is just painfulthreshold.com and they submit questions to the ask box. Then once I get a, a pile of questions, I get some folks together and I ask them what you want to know. So um, and then I give out points basically arbitrarily. And then uh, after the arbitrary points are given out for all of the questions, the winner gets to choose something that will be chosen for them from the rotating prize wheel orama. So they like, gonna be like a free massage from you. You know, I, you know what? If 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 I'll I'll say if 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 uh just for this show because it is the first one, you not only get whatever the rotating prize turns out to be, which we'll find out at the other show, but also a free massage from me. Perfect. Let's do it. That isn't fair. You don't have long enough arms for this. <laughs> I'll do it through Skype. I'll like jam my arms through the microphone. Okay, we should get started, I suppose. So this one comes from Anon, like most of these. Someone submitted it, but they were too wussy to leave their name or Tumblr address. So I thought Anonymous was working to overthrow the government, but here they are just asking us questions. Uh, Anonymous has many, many, you know, tentacles, you know. Some of them are, you know, bringing down Scientology. Some of them are, you know, bringing down the government. Some of them are, are asking questions to a podcast. So this is from an anonymous donor. Yes, an anonymous question donor. They, they went to the, the question clinic, and uh, with the, the magazines that they provided, they gave us this question. And, and our first question from, the, from anonymous at the question clinic is, do you like pigs? I love that the f- very debut episode of this podcast, and the very first question is, do you like pigs? <laughs> yeah, I... I, I think that, you know, it's a question that, that we need to know. So um, I think we should examine who is asking this question and why they're asking it. Unfortunately, I don't know. All I know is that a non-submitted, do you like pigs? Is this a, like an animal rights trap? Like all we were going to say we like bacon and then we're in trouble. I feel like this podcast is in the pocket of the pig lobby. Yeah. 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 Next question. What do you do with dogs? <laughs> For this episode, there are no questions about dogs. Wait, maybe they mean pigs as in police. Maybe Anonymous is like... (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, I, I'm assuming they mean, if they mean police, um, that yeah, that is a whole other thing. Because then my answer would be uh, like terrified of of pigs. Okay, so I guess what we can do is we can answer, you know, pigs as pigs and then pigs as police. So that way we're we're covered, and hopefully the the anon uh, anonymous question asker will will be will be satisfied, you know, with either with with either that way we won't just assume and and assume wrongly and get like a a nasty note later from the anon so so do you like pigs as pigs and pigs as police i suppose jenny do you like pigs i like the idea of pigs i like i like when you see them on tv and they're all little and clean and they seem to like be bouncy and happy but then you go to a farm or you go to a zoo and then you just see this big massive dirty pig lying there it's always invariably lying down (laughs) with massive teeth that look like it could rip your entire arm off i like the little pigs that you get on tv Mm -hmm. i do not like the massive pigs that exist in reality those are terrifying okay so um so what do you think about um pigs the animal then (laughs) i i i have many well many i have i've known people who are in the police and sort of been from a similar sort of um public service sector i have a lot of sympathy there actually i think a lot of the sort of fuck the police stuff that comes on is sort of out of line actually um i mean don't get me wrong i think more so in america than probably in britain you get the sort of dodgy police people going around and taking advantage but sort of like i've had nights out where a policeman has lent me their helmet and I haven't even had to steal it in a very Bertie Wooster-ish kind of way. Yeah, I have a feeling the police over there are much nicer. I never see a YouTube video of a British police officer beating the shit out of somebody. It's just more rare. Yeah, and... Uh, well, when yeah. they do it, they play the Benny Hill theme, so it's more fun. Yeah, <laughs> they make it... <laughs> no, I, feel, I think people over here tend to, do, to also have sort of more respect for the police almost. I mean, I've had um, one of my friends who's a police lady. She was um, at the forefront of a uh, riot and like they link arms and everything to stop people from getting through and she fell over and of course like what you expect to do is for everybody to rush forward and all the people who were rioting took a massive step backwards and went the lady police officer has fallen over help her <laughs> and everybody just rushed to help her up and it was the most British story I've ever heard in my life we're rioting oh no wait somebody's been hurt all go home. <laughs> We're very apologetic. We'll write you a letter. Nick, what do you think about pigs? I guess I like pigs. Um, some of them are very smart, and they are like people. And also police. Some of them are very smart and like people. So, uh, yes. And I, and I like to eat them, not the police. I don't know. Have you seen some policemen in uniform? I won't mind eating them. <laughs> uh i i like i think pot belly pigs are like the cutest thing uh ever and i like i don't know i actually think even the big fat pigs i mean yeah they they can be pretty dirty and being a fat i, I think that they're kind of cute i just i think that uh the police thing, i grew up in a small town and so all, all they had to do was all, the only there was no murder or robbery 
where I grew up, it was just kids underage drinking. So it, it's scary. I mean, they're, they're all, that's all they're looking for. So to this day, anytime there's a cop behind me, even if I'm stone sober and I'm doing nothing wrong, I get extremely nervous. And also from, you know, seeing all the YouTube videos of them tasering people or mistaken. I always think I'm going to be that guy that gets mistaken for something like they pull me over and I'm going for like my wallet and I accidentally pull out like a, a, a chocolate bar that's in a foil wrapper and they think it's a gun and then they shoot me. I always think that's going to happen to me. Chocolate kills. That's my motto. So I, I'd say that the consensus, it sounds like uh, the, as far as the animal, we all like pigs. Yeah, yeah, I, I think this is this has turned out to be a pro pig. But I like eating them too, so like I want them murdered for my delicious amusement. <laughs> well, can we then agree that we keep the pretty little pigs on TV, and then we can have bacon from the big horrible ones that look like they could kill you? <laughs> okay, okay. There we go. Yeah. Okay, uh, I think we've talked about pigs enough. So this one, we actually have an a, a name attached to the question. Mm-hmm. So. Thomas Ferranti asks, when does a guilty pleasure turn bad? Or if it has merits, where do you draw the line as to whether or not it's a guilty pleasure? Thomas Ferranti should have told us which guilty pleasure he was asking about. Because he clearly has something in mind that he's been doing. Because a guilty uh, pleasure, I mean, some people feel guilty about masturbating. Yeah. Well, again, though, I think I'm thinking of a pop culture thing, and I don't think that like masturbation is like released a a, a top forty single. I mean, there there was she bought from you know what thirty years ago. So was that about masturbating? Oh yeah, that was totally the Cindy Lauper song. She bop, hey bop. Every we song bop, we bop, bop, is about bop. masturbating, except for the safety dance, which is about nuclear proliferation. <laughs> the safety dance could be about masturbation, because you know we could dance if we want to. Or we could leave. Uh, you know, isn't there the lyrics? I actually, if you think about any lyric or analyze any lyric of any song, it could be about masturbation. I just died in your arms tonight. That actually is about sex. What about like candle in the wind? Yeah. See. I, you lived your life like a candle in the wind. It's not about masturbation. It does to me. <laughs> Never say you use your candle to masturbate. You're not doing it in the wind. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I guess maybe maybe that's like the you know um the the Jim Croce song is about you know it's saying you know you don't spit wink, in the wind into right the wind. exactly or um his more obvious lyric if I could save time in a butthole <laughs> is that what he isn't that what he says yeah I think I think so yeah mm. I, I, it's amazing what got on the air back in the seventies I can't believe it no it's like the Monty Python song you can't say bleep on the radio okay we're gonna answer the question. When does a guilty pleasure turn bad? The answer is when it ruins the rest of your life. Okay. That's the answer. I, the older I get, the more I realize that there is no such thing as a guilty pleasure. I mean, when it comes when it comes to, if we're talking pop culture, music, movies, because I said it for a long time, like, ah, uh, yeah, I'd hide certain bands that I'd listen to. I wouldn't show my friends. Uh, you know, like, I secretly listened to Def Leppard for, like, 20 years, and... To the point where I was like marveling over the production on Hysteria and like putting headphones on. But then I'd show my friends and be like, dude, you're listening to that fucking album. Pour some sugar on me. Who cares? But then I realized if I've been listening to it this long, I might as well embrace the fact that I love this band. So I bought, you know, T-shirts and I 
I've announced to the world my love of Def Leppard. The Young Evils actually recorded a Def Leppard song, and um, we uh, the last record we recorded um, last year in L.A. Uh, Phil Collin from Def Leppard actually uh, plays on one of our songs. Okay, so so here's your answer. This is where it's turned bad. He's gone too far into Def Leppard, <laughs> and it's ruining his life. So don't go that far, and just find that healthy balance. <laughs> To be honest, I completely agree with the sort of um, as you've got old, as I've got older, I've sort of worried less about having guilty pleasures. It's like the um, the the fox song by Elvis. What's the fox say? Yeah, I like, I mean, like ten years ago, or even more recently, I would have been so ashamed of loving that song. And now I have friends that will refuse to open YouTube links from me because I send it them daily. It is, it's an incredible song. It is the most amazing song. It really is. I like all those internet songs, like Gangnam Style and all that. I love that. My, um, my mother-in-law, um, because I kept playing that song, really thought that I genuinely loved foxes and for Christmas bought me a scarf and handbag with foxes on them. Okay, That's once good. again, here's an example of a guilty pleasure ruining your life. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's the next one. Uh, okay, this is from Anon. Can you think of any great band names that are shitty bands or vice versa, like great bands with terrible names? For me, the one that always stuck out was the Beatles. That is a great band with a crap name. God, it, it's, it's so hard because since they're the Beatles, I have a hard time separating their name from their music. Like, I can't think of that name as being bad because it's them. But that's a that's well, interesting. It's a really rubbish pun that one man in 1963 laughed at. And we all just accept it because it's the Beatles. Yes. It's not the worst. I mean, if they would have been called, like... The flip flops would like that would not be cool. There's no way, or would it? Yeah, what would we now have? You know, you know, in that in that alternate universe where that's the only thing that's different. I mean, would Jenny be saying, you know, well, obviously, the great band with a terrible name is the flip flops. You know, <laughs> I, I can answer that for you, Matt. And the answer is yes. I would be saying that the flip flops are. It's a terrible band name. But it is, I think it's because I. I there was a few bands around that time that sort of had insect names. And you can see their sort of train of thinking where like, oh yeah, we can call ourselves the Beatles, but we play Beat. Why don't we call it the B-E-A-T-L-E-S? It's like it's every the- band name is kind of awful, fundamentally. Like, we fill in it being acceptable. Like this... Like all the 90s bands, like Stone Temple Pilots and Mother Love Bone. And like, these are all ridiculous strings of words. Yeah. And then we like the band and it makes it okay. Like there's no... Exactly. All band names are ridiculous. It's hard for me to think of a band that I think is amazing and then hate their name. Because I will, in my head, make their name cool just because I love their band without realizing their band name sucks. Right. It's it's weird. So I could probably find more awesome band names for a shitty band rather than shitty band name, awesome band. So let's hear some bands that have great names. But they're shitty. I can't say whether this band is shitty or not because I never actually heard them play. But in um, my local pub, I noticed once that um, about a week after my visit, there was a band playing called 40 Dead Camels. And I thought that was a fantastic band name. Is that a reference to something? I have no idea. And you know what? I don't want to know. Okay. All I want to know is that there is a band out there called 40 Dead Camels. 
That's a pretty good name. I really like a blues band called Agnostic Mountain Gospel Choir. That's not, that's not bad. No, I think it's a great name. Good band with a good name. I mean, that that's sort of, you know. I mean, the only one that springs to my mind that is a good band with a crap name is Frog Stupid. What are they called? Frog Stupid. Fuck Stupid? Frog. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was fuck stupid as well. Fuck stupid. I actually like fuck stupid. That would be a great name. I love fuck stupid. <laughs> I guess, you know what? A, a, I mean, a band I like, I'm not going to say they're universally loved or even known. They're not that popular. But a band that I like, I don't, uh, and I, ha- I don't like their band name, is Granddaddy. It's such a bad name. Yeah. So that's a, th- there's, there's one. It's not so much a shitty band name as just an awkward band name as the Presidents of the United States of America. <laughs> because you introduce them, you go, oh, yeah, I really like the Presidents of the United States of America. And then you have to go on to specify whether you like Barack Obama or this band that nobody's heard of over here. And it's a really long name as well. Yeah, I, I could be like, you, you could get someone to be like, even Rutherford B. Hayes. Do you like all of the Presidents of the United States of America? <laughs> I, I only thing that comes to mind, I just can't stop thinking about band names that are just so awful. But I, and then the band's not necessarily good. I, if the question was just what are the worst band names of all time, I mean that I could rattle off. You know, I've got those just right at the tip. Rattle, of, rattle. Uh, Hot tuna. Ooh. Horrible band name. Uh, Hoobastank. Oh. I, I, all I can think of is shitty band names. There's a band called Bowling for Soup. Ooh. I mean, it's just, uh, the, the, it's so bad, it perplexes me. For, for me, like, uh, one of my favorite band names that I've just never been able to get into the band, and I've given them so many tries because it's such a great name, is And You Will Know Us by the Trail of Death. It's a great name. You don't feel like that's unwieldy? It's unwieldy, but it's it's very evocative. I don't know. There's, there's something to... And you shall know it's by the Trail of Dead, especially with the opening ellipsis. You know, it works for me, except that I just don't like the records. <laughs> I, but it's better than like the 90s had you had your Stone Temple Pilots and Mother Love Bone. Like he was saying, like just three words, like kind of strung together. But then there was a, a ton of bands that just had one word, you know, like helmet or tool. And that never works. I think it worked out pretty well for tool. <laughs> Okay, yes, they were very successful. It never works in my head, like, on a cool factor. But, you know, as as if my opinion mattered, they are multi-multi-millionaires. I think, I think Nick's got a good point, though, is, I mean, I think that there is a desire to have, like, a really good, punchy band name. But those are, like, the hardest to... It just, yeah, it's like, it just has a little too much bro in it for me. Oh, you want to talk about Guilty Pleasure? That's one of mine. I listen to their records. I They, too, I put headphones on, and I'm just like, how did he human beings make this but i wouldn't go show my friends or you know i wouldn't play it on kexp or something there's a band out there called oops i stepped in some christ (laughs) i'm not kidding with the painful threshold not only do we get questions from our blog but every once in a while we go to other blogs and steal one of their questions so this is asked by anonymous to the tumblr v hyphen patriarchy p-i-e triarchy like patriarchy only pie but the anon question for for this one is who is steve buscemi from your point of view and and the patriarchy's answer the the original post will be linked and reblogged on the painful threat 
Threshold's Tumblr. But their answer was a JPEG of Steve Buscemi's head in a circular rainbow in the sky. So I think they're kind of implying that Steve Buscemi is God here. Well, I can, I mean, I can tell you just from a personal point of view, my very, very, very first introduction to Steve Buscemi was him in, uh, was it Billy Madison, where he, where he puts on the lipstick and he wants to kill a bunch of people, like he has a list on his wall. Was that Billy Madison? Yeah, that was Billy Madison. Yeah, so that was my first, and he was super creepy. He was like, it was, he just made a cameo, but I didn't know him at the time, and he, and uh, Billy Madison like called and apologized for bullying him when he was a kid. And then he hung up the phone and he crossed him off his list of people to kill. And then he put on lipstick all creepy. Uh, so then the next time I saw Steve Buscemi, I, I saw Con Air. He was creepy in that too. Like he, there's a scene where he's like having tea with a little girl and she's playing with her dolls or something. So I just thought he was like this sex offender, creepy, weirdo guy, like in my head, you know, I was young. So that stays with me when I see his face because he just, because of some characters he portrayed when I first saw him. But now, you know, I'm older and wiser. I think he's a genius. Uh, but that, but uh, there's always 10% of me that thinks he might be creepy. <laughs> I'm actually ashamed to say that I had no idea who Steve Buscemi was. I had to Google him very, very quickly on my phone. And now I'm currently looking at chicks with Steve Buscemi's eyes.tumblr.com. And there is a very beautiful Photoshop of Kate Middleton with Steve Buscemi's eyes. And I'm enjoying it very, very much. Well, he does. He he has the same eyes as Gollum. He does. Buscemi is the world's most three-dimensional rodent. Nobody seems to be on board with this. Uh, no, I actually find that I find that really funny. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Traditionally, people laugh when they find things funny, but that's good. This is works too. <laughs> Next question. Okay, this is this is also from anonymous, and I like the way that this is phrased. What have you found in your nightmares? Mostly just me naked and failing at things, and then I wake up and I'm naked and I'm failing at sleeping. So uh, they're they're pretty accurate. The only nightmare that I have ever properly had was I was sat in my front room hiding because there'd been a dinosaur invasion. And a Tyrannosaurus Rex smashed his face through my balcony and looked at me and told me to show him the way to Yorkshire. So he didn't even want to bother with, like, you know, eating you or... No, he just wanted directions. Did you tell him where Yorkshire was or how to get there? Well, the thing is, I don't... He didn't say, tell me the way to Yorkshire. He said, show me the way to Yorkshire. He wanted me to ride him to Yorkshire. You know, I don't know if this is a nightmare. (laughs) It was a nightmare because I woke up very, very frightened of the T-Rex. I laugh about it now. But the T-Rex sounds like a friendly guy. I mean... The T-Rex is one of those nice guys. That's the thing that had me, like, sat bolt right up in bed screaming. I friend-zoned him by waking up. The MRA T-Rex. <laughs> okay, here's the next question, which the anonymous question asker decided to put in all caps, so I'm going to shout it. Who is your favorite beetle? <laughs> I know the answer to this one. Who is your favorite Beetle? My favorite Beetle is Ringo Starr for his very strong acting on the show with the monstrous living trains. Oh, when he was on um, Shining Time Station. Yes, yes. He was on it, and it was horrifying, and he was very good. Those trains are fucking creepy. Yeah, I agree. They are not. 
they are. Yeah. All they do is they are not. They are adorable. There are so many creepy things about. No, no. The thing with Thomas the Tank Engine, they have the same plot day after day after day. And yes, it's a kids' TV show, but there's only so many times that the trains can crash. I don't know, man. There's some like really dark ones where there. It's like you know. Where all of a sudden, like, you know, like, Thomas will be, like, hella racist against, like, the diesel engines, and, like, everyone talks about how shitty diesel is, and it's all like, Oh, fuck you, diesel, you're a, you're a train that is different than us, this is a good message to be teaching the children. Wow, that was an uncanny impression. Think about how scary it's gonna be when one of these racist monster trains decides to, like, go on a rampage. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, wait, wait until Thomas realizes that, like, Sir Topham Hat looks different, too. That makes me really cross, you know, that he used to be called the Fat Controller. He's the Fat Controller. He's not Mr. Topham Hat. I think that's what they changed it to in the in the U.S. runs or something. Yeah, I think just British children are more resilient. Jenny, you're British. Who's your favorite Beatle? Uh, I struggle. John Lennon wrote better songs. I prefer his songs, but he was a little bit of a dick. Uh, so I probably would say George Harrison, just because he seems like a nicer person, and he's the lead guitarist. That is my answer. Okay. Troy? Um, I definitely relate more to John Lennon. I think he speaks to me more, but I wish I had the bass chops and the pop sensibility of Mr. McCartney. <laughs> Now we're having a music break. As promised earlier in the show, we're going to hear a cut from The Young Evils. So, Troy, why don't you uh, set this one up? Is it Darker Blue by you? Is that what you're playing? It was from our EP from a year and a half ago, I think we put it out. We're about ready ready to release a new one. But that uh, was from a recording session in Seattle. We did four songs with the producer Shane Stoneback. Shane uh, produced all the Sleigh Bells records and also the first two Vampire Weekend records. And he also produced the band Cults. And he's worked on a bunch of stuff that I love and that um, we love. And so we flew him in from New York and he produced four songs of ours and Darker Blue by You was just a song that I was of all places I was in a shopping mall and I was in one of those obnoxious stores that blasts music. I think I was waiting for my uh, girlfriend, well now my fiance, to do whatever it is she does that takes an hour and a half. And I think it was uh, like, you know, it was like Forever 21 or H&M or something. And I heard this song come on. It had this drum beat, just this boom, boom, ka, boom, 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 ka. And then it had this like super poppy, catchy, you know, all that horrible shit that plays in those stores. And I had this dream of writing a song that is similar to that kind of music, but write it with really dark lyrics about uh, the apocalypse, the end of the world. And it and only like... 10 people survive and they just decide to fucking party and have fun. So it's not a blue bayou, but it's a darker blue bayou that they all uh, party around and buy. It's a post-apocalyptic tale.
welcome back. That was Darker Blue by you by the Young Evils from their EP Foreign Spells. And we are back. Uh, thank you, Troy, for letting us play that awesome record. Okay, uh, let's get back to the questions after. I, I think I think we're all properly rested after that music break. You know, nice little reprieve from Anonymous Question Asker's Kingdom of Terror. We have one here that uh, the next question is, are you in any fandoms? Question mark. If so, comma, why? Question mark. Well, mm. my Tumblr blog is a supernatural blog. So, yes, I am in the supernatural fandom. I always recommend everybody to watch Supernatural. And one of the best reactions that I've ever got from recommending somebody is don't watch it. It's rubbish. The only reason women watch it is because they want to get finger bangs by the main three. I haven't heard finger bang in a while. It's great. I haven't either. It was old school. Because when when you're in high school, like that's all like we would do. You know, before you bang banged, you know, you when you're in high bang. school, you start with the finger bang. I mean, I know Nick and Matt have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, Jenny, like when kids, like when you're at it, like 15, 14, 15, 13, even sometimes, and like two people start making out at a party, or you know, you start dry, like people are dry humping. It, it, when you do get down the pants, uh, you it's a it's a finger bang. Oh shit! I forgot the question. Are you in any fandoms? I collect retro video games uh, and video game systems, like you know, Super Nintendo, Atari. Uh, the original NES, I'm just looking what I have, uh, Panasonic 3DO from 1996. Um, I have, I, I just have a whole slew of them and then I have them all on a switcher. You can buy, like, all plug them in at the same time and then you can just hit, hit the switch and it'll go to that system. I'm a big fan of retro video games. That and I'm a big fan, cool. I collect, I, I collect Garbage Pail Kids. Did, did you guys all just lose your boner just cause I said that? <laughs> Nick, are you any in here? Yeah, uh, fandoms. I'm not in any fandoms. That's I didn't really have too much to. Uh, you love I, cards, dude. You love cards. To me, fandoms are social. So you're a huge yeah, fan, of, but you're a fan of poker. Yeah, but I'm not in a fandom for you're, poker. You're not. You're not writing slash fix. No, no, and neither am neither am I for the things that I'm interested in. I'm just thinking like, what do I love the most? Like that I'm a fan of, and it would be music, video games, and you but know. But those you don't organize socially around that like you don't or you do probably for music like i i i that's what i think that that is i i i'm no i'm not part of any club or any fan club either i'm just saying like what are you a fan like you're a fan of comedy and yeah and, oh. Ring, and ringo stars acting yeah and ringo stars acting in the train shit that you're talking about I, I I think that uh that is what they're asking like what are what are you an uber fan of i mean i think even though it's what we do for a living, like music is what I do for a living, like DJ and play music, that I, I still I'm su I'm such a fan of it that it's become my life. I think I think actually performing stand up comedy has made it harder for me to watch it now. It well, that's because you know all the little tricks. Yes, and, exactly. Yes, you know, and so now you see like some comedians that are revered. You're like, oh man, I, I, that was a total segue, or you you totally catch on to their little things that they do to go. Right, to it's like if you're a musician and you realize that your favorite band is only playing three chords. Well, it's kind of like when Andy Kaufman finally became fan. Like Andy Kaufman used to be in his bedroom just performing, you know, in front of the mirror or or tape record himself, and then when he actually got on a TV show and started to have some success. He was right. on a show that had the little puppet 
And he was so disappointed to see the person running the puppet and pulling the strings that it ruined uh, Hollywood and uh, acting and everything for him because he believed in the puppet. He didn't believe in the people that were making it happen because it makes Okay, well, let's differentiate because I'm not insane and I don't know how puppets work, so I'm not Andy Kaufman. But yeah, I agree that, yeah, you learn the small subtleties of it. You have to be a little bit insane to uh, uh, do what you do. No, you just have to be a little needy. I just want the attention so much. I actually commend you because it's a ballsy, ballsy choice to not only do stand-up comedy, but to, to really play poker and, like, do it as a source of income because it's a huge step. You, you don't, you don't just, uh, gra- you don't just automatically just decide that it's a gradual thing. You start to get really good at something and you're like, can I do this? Yeah. And quitting a job, like day job, that's a scary thing to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, let it all, all the answers fall with the cards. So that's a ballsy decision. I, I commend you for that. I also am a huge poker uh, fan and have been playing poker a long time. And I I actually contemplated it in like 2008, 2007, 2008, if I could do that like as a, as a source of income. And I chickened out. So I, I commend oh. you. Oh, thank you. And I, and I respect anyone that makes a huge ballsy decision and that's a ballsy decision so is getting up in front of people and trying to make them laugh it's fucking scary that's why the only comedy that i do is video stuff right. i can't i i just can't handle that i wouldn't be able to handle that kind of rejection now i know that i'm on, on the radio but i'm behind a microphone and i don't see anybody right you don't get the feedback the thing the thing that's super scary about starting stand-up is that you have to get up and do it for the first time when you're not funny you're, everybody sucks when they start so yep and how you get through that, I do not know. It's it's just a horrible yawning need. Just who's the I biggest need. who's the biggest comedian you've ever opened up for? Uh, I've opened up for Baron Vaughn. I've opened up for uh, Rory Scovel. I opened up for Rory Scovel uh, a month or two ago. Uh, I love Rory. Yeah, he's amazing. He's one of my favorites. Uh, and oddly enough, my comedy the comedy duo that I'm in, Black Daisy, we got to open up for the presidents of the United States of America. How about that? No, no. So that ties into what we were talking about earlier. I opened up for T-Pain. That's amazing. Uh, we played a comedy show with the Humpty Hump. There you go. From Digital Underground. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, he does comedy too, apparently. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, we we did a show with him. It was weird. I mean, when I say did a show, we, they screen our videos at the venue and we just right. get up and talk about them a little bit. <laughs> so that absolutely has nothing to do with anything that was asked. Well, um, let's go to the next question then. And normally in this show, this would be the place where I would read the the question from the last show that got the most likes and reblogs and everything from the um, Tumblr. But since this is the very first episode, we don't actually have one. So in the meantime, I would like to urge everyone listening to this to go to the Painful Threshold Tumblr, which is, again, painfulthreshold.com. Uh, go and give a like or reblog your favorite question that's uh, that was asked on this episode. Um, ba- ba- and basically, the w- the one that ends up with the most notes will be read also on the next show that we do with a whole different panel and 
we'll get to find out how that one works for them. So, but since we don't have another show, we just have a normal question again from Anon, because that's that's the way of the world. If you could name a baby anything in the world without reprisal, what would you name it? And then par- there's a parenthetical note. Also, this baby is awful. It totally sucks. What kind of reprisal could a baby have anyway? It's just a baby. Well, no, I, I figure, you know, from other people who are going like, hmm, you shouldn't have named your baby meat or whatever. <laughs> well, I have I have an actual real baby, although she isn't awful and she doesn't suck. She's awesome. Uh, you name her. We, na- we named her Eleanor um, because, like, she was this tiny, cute, little, fluffy, little, adorable thing. It seemed like Eleanor was a really long name for such a tiny baby, so we started nicknaming her Nora. And people's reactions to the nickname Nora was really visceral. Like, people either were like, this is the most adorable name for a child, or how can you name her Nora? It sounds like a 90-year-old woman. It was like nowhere in between. People either really liked that we nicknamed her Nora and thought it was like sort of a little bit quirky, a little bit cute, or was absolutely horrified by the thought of her being nicknamed Nora. It seems like these people you know don't have much going on in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Like a nun. I think that Eleanor is um, is cute. It's a cute name. Is that, you just have one, one kid? Yeah. How old is she now? She is is nine months now. Oh, you have a baby baby. I have a baby baby baby. Oh, cute. I, I was looking at, um, so th- this is a true story, and it comes from uh, Sydney, Australia. And in 2008, and I'm reading the headline, parents lose custody of girl for naming her Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii. <gasps> I think that is a great name. That is what my second daughter will be named. That's her full name. Tulula does the hula from Hawaii. And then, like, would that be funny if her last name was like Anderson? I would name a baby. September 11th was an inside job. Dot org. <laughs> oh my god! Just let's just come up with like the most offensive baby names of all time. Uh, Jack the Ripper was not that bad. I still think Nora is more offensive than both of those, given some <laughs> of my friends' reactions to it. You really think that Nora, even based on the reactions, is up there with 9-11 was an insidejob.org? Based on my friends' reactions, I am saying yes. To test out, you should have another child and name name the child 9-11 was an insidejob.org by field. I will. <laughs> my mom has a friend who my mom's friends with her and her family and stuff. And when I was when I was born, my mom's friend was so perplexed that she named me Troy. She thought Troy was the weirdest name. And so she told my mom, my mom, my mom's told me the story many times. And because uh, I think she forgets that she to- told me a hundred times. But she this lady said to her, I cannot believe that you named him Troy. That is the strangest name. And my mom said to her, she goes, you named your kid Tunis. <laughs> and it's true. This lady has a son named Tunis. That's a fucked Tunis. up name. Tunis. I mean, how could she think Troy is weird compared to that? I mean, even even. It even has, like, the place name thing going on. Because, you know, I mean, Troy, you know, you have Helen of Troy, and then you have Tunisia. That is wild that you thought of that in your head. (laughs) I don't know. I I, I think I just played way too much Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego as a kid. I think that somebody's going to start, like, somebody soon is going to name their kid. It's just going to be an emoticon. Well, they've started doing, uh, going back to band names. That's one of the things that I don't like about band names is when you get explanation points like panic at the disco. Or chick, 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 where it's just all punctuation. It's all exclamation points. It's three exclamation points. This is the final question of the day, and I, I think it's a wonderful question to end on. 
from Anonymous. Have you ever pooped on a baby? I pooped on myself whilst I was a baby. So I pooped on a baby. Also, another great name. I pooped on a baby. Um, Have I ever pooped on a baby? I I think we might want to expand this one to just like the strangest place you've pooped. Because I think think baby pooping is awfully specific. I do have the most fantastic story about Nora pooping. Probably like two days post-birth. So I was sort of like reclining on the sofa trying not to (laughs) leak from every orifice I own. Uh, My husband was in her bedroom changing a nappy. And I just heard, oh, oh God, no. And so I sort of like lever myself off the sofa and go and check. And he's like, when you change a baby nappy, you lift their legs right up so like you can get and like clean them and everything. And whilst he had done that, um, she had farted and sprayed like chicken korma coloured poo up the wall and on the ceiling with the force of her fart. Congratulations, you just stopped me from being a parent for another five years. (laughs) (laughs) She also poops in the bath on a regular basis. We have like a little um, pet shop fishnet for that now. Uh, But like sort of the strangest pace that I have ever pooped has been on the Maasai Mara in Kenya. That's like an epic poop. It was extremely... I I also went on a hot air balloon whilst I was there, but unfortunately I didn't poop out of the balloon. That would have been amazing too. Yeah. Oh and if you did, what if it, what if it landed on a baby? <laughs> <laughs> so when I was... Uh, when I was seven or eight or nine, 10, 11, 12, actually, I wanted to be a magician for a long time. And uh, I was very serious. You know, I ordered shit out of when they used this kind of dates me too, but you know, out of a catalog and then you order it. Uh, people, you know, pre internet. And so I'd order magic tricks. And I thought I made up a trick where I put a quarter. Or actually, it was a nickel under my tongue, and I would say, "Hey, watch! I'm going to eat a nickel," and I'd put it under my tongue and hide it, and then I'd pretend I swallowed it, and then I'd open my mouth, and hey, it's gone, but it's really hiding under my tongue. And I was seven or eight, nine—I don't know—I was a kid, and I showed my mom, and I was like, "Hey, check this out!" And I put the nickel in my mouth, and I accidentally swallowed it for real. And so I got really scared and I was like, oh, and my mom was like, oh, and she kind of was like, are you OK? And I was like, yeah, I swallowed it. And and, you know, that which was ironic because that's supposed to be the trick. But uh, I asked her if, if I was going to be OK. And she said, oh, it'll come out in your poop. So uh, when I, the next poop that I had taken, I wanted to see if the nickel had come out in the poop, in the turd. So I grabbed a bunch of toilet paper in my hand and I grabbed the poop out of the toilet and I put it in the sink and then I took a plastic knife and I dissected my own poop. Congratulations. Another three years before I'm going to become a parent. It's up to six now. (laughs) That's eight now. Eight. Eight. Uh, That's right. So I did not uh, find the nickel was not in there. But the whole time, it's funny, the whole time I was dissecting this poop, I had my shirt over my nose and I was almost throwing up uh, about every five seconds. And then I had to clean it out of the sink and I never did find the nickel. Uh, You know what? I am such a nurse because I was just listening to that going, "Eh, I've done worse. That's funny. My mom's a nurse, too, by the way. Awesome. It's also going to be an extra three years before I become a nurse. (laughs) I ha- I remember hearing a poop story and I can't remember I can't remember where I placed this whether it's like an actual friend who told me or whether I've read it on the internet or whatever but I've he- uh, read this story um about a woman who went to um like a house party and she went upstairs went for a poop in the toilet 
and found that the toilet wouldn't flush. So her reaction to this was to gather the poop in tissue paper and throw it out the window. (laughs) And then she went back downstairs into the kitchen, out into the conservatory where her poo was slowly sliding down the ceiling of the glass conservatory. (laughs) That's amazing. Thereupon it landed on a baby. When I was in gym class in seventh or eighth grade, I wanted to you would go up to your friends and you'd, you know, fart and, and make them laugh. And I pushed really hard and I felt a tiny little rabbit turd come out. And I'm in gym class in school and I pretended nothing happened. You know, I mean they heard the fart noise and they're like, Oh, get out of here. But I was like in my head, I'm like, Oh shit, what do I do now? And so I walked over to the the teacher and I was like, Can I use go in and use the bathroom? And so I went into the bathroom and I pulled down my pants and sure enough, right in the in my underwear um was a little a round like rabbit looking turd that had come out when I did push the fart out and I didn't I didn't know how to dispose of it so I, as I'm sitting on the toilet and my underwear is like I'm stretching it like it's on my knees and I you know spread my knees apart and I create this like slingshot with my underwear and I grab the underside of my underwear and I pull down and I slingshotted the little rabbit turd out <laughs> Okay, well, we've got the totals of uh, this episode of The Painful Threshold, and the totals are 99 points for Jenny, Nick with 103, and Troy with 104, which means Troy... Oh! I was wrong. You guys, I just I just shit on a baby. <laughs> well, you get an extra point for that, so now you're at 105. Um, I'd, li- I'd like to thank uh, everybody that's been uh, listening. I'd like to thank the judges. I'd love to thank my lovely fiancé for the inspiration and uh, providing me the baby that I just shit on. <laughs> Are we giving speeches? Follow me on Twitter at Nick Makes Jokes. Uh, where can we find you online, Troy? Uh, I guess my Facebook apparently is DJ Troy Nelson, which uh, that that's cheesy. I wish I wouldn't have did that. <laughs> I do have a Twitter. It's the Troy Nelson. Okay, and we'll have those links in the uh, show notes as well. So anyway, you get your prize, Troy, and your prize is too. I, I'm spinning the lazy Susan of prizes. That's our that's our official sound effect there, and the and it rings on PSA. You have to um, deliver a PSA to the listeners of the audience, like a safety tip, like at the end of Inspector Gadget or Sailor Moon or whatever. So, what what would you like to warn our uh, listeners to take care about? Um, you oh oh an on the spot PSA. Uh, if you ever get asked to do a podcast via Skype, be sure that you don't light your apartment nicely and find props and things that you may grab, not knowing that no video is involved, it's only audio, because the person running the podcast has not upgraded his Skype to video yet. (laughs) I I suppose that's a good safety tip. And on that note, guys... On that note, thank you all, Nick Dector, Troy Nelson, and Jenny Byfield for being on this, the inaugural episode of The Painful Threshold. We'll hopefully be back with a whole bunch of other panelists who will not include Barack Obama, John Linnell, and Yoko Ono. Thank you very much. The Painful Threshold has been a production of Kitty Sneezes, Amalgamated Media Works, and Check Fattery. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Is that that?
KittySneezes.com in color.